Well, welcome to the Live to Shoot podcast. My name is Jeff Dowdle, and I'm a licensed firearm dealer for the last 13 years. I'm passionate about our Second Amendment rights, and in this podcast, we talk about all things related to the Second Amendment, as well as I might throw in a sports story or something going on in our current environment, such as the election or other areas of politics. So, Today is Saturday, February 13th, and it has been a week. So first, I've been having all sorts of technical difficulties, and I just pray that I'm able to get this episode published out there today. And this is the second time I've recorded this episode. I have also recorded some of my special episodes on the 1776 report um, for the third time this morning, and I'm hoping that they get I can get them published one looks like for some reason again the audio did not save i've been having all sorts of troubles so that's one thing this week the other is i'm in texas and it is cold we get uh, snaps you know of cold weather but tomorrow and monday the lows are going to be near zero we've had some ice blistery winds wind chills you know in the teens and for us that is cold 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 so and i am still licking my wounds over my chief's loss last weekend in the super bowl i have to give a tb12 some credit for the victory and you know that Tampa Bay uh, defensive line that just wreaked havoc on uh, poor Patrick Mahomes. So this week we are going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of some of the current firearms legislation that have been proposed at the beginning of this year. Last uh, week we talked about the ugly, and that was House Bill uh, 127 proposed by Miss Jackson down in Houston. And so this week we're going to talk about, we're going to go in the uh, reverse order. We're going to talk about the bad and then we'll talk about the good and so we'll go through these and i'm just going to be reading through some of these that we've got and trying to just summarize them to the best of my ability so we're going to start with and there's a i've got a there's a handful miss jackson has been jackson lee has been very active in her farms legislation so we've got quite a few of them here from her so this is hr 130 and this one is called kimberly vaughn farm safe storage act and this reading from the bill states that it shall be unlawful for a person to store or keep any firearm or ammunition that has moved in or that has otherwise affected interstate or foreign commerce on the premises of a residence under the control of a person if that person knows or reasonably should know that one, an individual who has not obtained 18 years of age is likely to gain access to the firearm or ammunition without the permission of the parent or guardian, and two, an individual who resides at the residence is ineligible to possess a firearm under federal, state, and local law. So it says, this shall not apply to a person if it is if the person keeps the firearms and ammunition secured, unloaded, and separate in a safe certified by the Attorney General and locked with a trigger lock certified by the Attorney General. So you cannot have what well, it says unless you have your ammunition and firearms stored separately from each other, secured and locked, uh, you you cannot have them stored on your premise. So that completely restricts your right of self-defense. I personally have several guns that are loaded. They're secured. I only have access to them. But if this law becomes uh, passed, that will be illegal to do that. You cannot have, and so you will not be able to uh, protect yourself with, by having a, a firearm on your house um, ready to, to be fired. And if, if you're found to violate this, you're going to be uh, fined not less than 50000 and not more than $100,000 and in prison for not more than 20 years or both. 
Another one from Ms. Jackson is HR-125, and this one is, is cited as Gun Safety Not Sorry Act of 2021. And this is, this is one that is based around uh, a seven-day, providing a seven-day waiting period before a semi-automatic firearm, a silencer, armor-piercing ammunition, or a large-capacity ammunition magazine may be transferred. So she's enacting a seven-day waiting period on those types of purchases. And in this bill, she cites a lot of different statistics about uh, mass shootings. Every day, on average, 92 Americans are victims of gun violence, resulting in more than 33,000 deaths annually. And she goes on, she talks about Sandy Hook and the Las Vegas shooting. And but you know she doesn't really provide a lot of uh, backing for uh, her statistics. But her her theory behind this bill is that, that you have to wait seven days, and the the criminal is going to go and wait seven days before he purchases. You know he can purchase a firearm, and we know that's not um, viable. That their criminals aren't going to obey the law. An interesting thing too that always gets me about the, the different laws that you see passed and things like that is. When they're written this, uh, there's there's no uh, actual thought and put in about how this is going to be applied, or they just don't understand the current laws that exist. So in this one, she's included that there's a seven-day waiting period before you can buy a silencer. And as we all know, that that waiting period right now is probably about six months since it is an NFA item and has to go through that registration process. House Bill 121 by Ms. Jackson Lee is the Gun Violence Reduction Resources Act. Now, this one I don't have a lot of qualms with. There's not a lot of detail in this, but this one is, is providing that for the hiring of 200 additional bureau ATF agents and investigators to enforce gun laws. Now, <clears throat> what gun laws are they enforcing? And when I see that, I see that this, you know, as an FFL, this could be used to come and start uh, cracking down on FFLs and trying to remove our licenses. You know, in here again, she starts states some uh, things that many of the uh, crimes were committed by people who never should have been able to purchase a gun, um, implying that, I guess, that FFLs and such are violating the law in some way and that millions of guns are sold every year in a no-questions-asked transaction. And experts estimate that 40% of guns now sold in the United States are sold without a background check of the purchaser. Well, I mean, yes, in Texas, for example, you don't have to have a background check done if you have a license to carry. And that is true in several many states uh, because that background check was already performed when you got your license to carry. And as long as you haven't, it hasn't been revoked. You are able to purchase it without going through another background check. One from Mr. Green, Al Green of Texas is H.R. 167, and this one is a, to prohibit the transfer of firearms at a gun show by a person who is not a federally licensed firearms dealer. So this is a tip to what they do is a what they call control uh, the gun show loophole. They're trying to close that, and really all all the gun show loophole is, as everybody knows, is that it's just the facilitating the private sale between two individuals of a firearm, and that is currently legal. And this law does not make that illegal. It just makes it illegal to do it on something that has is, is been permitted as, as a gun show or on the premises of them. So very little impact on that one in terms of it's not going to change anything. And again, but it is their attempt to start to, to restrict our rights to, to sell and transfer firearms. And 
Then we have the, and this is a, a kind of this this next one, HR thirty kind of goes hand in hand with how they're they're trying to now redefine what a a straw purchase is, and eliminating the gifting ability of firearms to people in terms of either as a as a bonus from work and maybe a giveaway item or even being able to buy them for uh, the Boy Scouts to be able to use in hunting safety courses. So this is HR 30 and it's again and this one has a lot of co-sponsors to it and it is called the Gun Trafficking Prohibition Act and I'm reading from an article from Bearing Arms and so I'm going to quote some of the pieces out of it and it says that um, such items as defining straw purchase as the receipt of any firearm by a person who does not own the firearm by way of a pledge or pawn, a security for the payment or repayment of money, or on consignment. So, yeah, purchasing this gun on its consignment at your local gun store from a pawn is not, or even on sites such as gun broker are now going to be considered straw purchases. The National Shooting Foundation has several concerns as well. Said the Mark Olivia, the general uh, prohibition language against purchasing a firearm on, on behalf of another is particularly troubling. The way it is drafted now says the bill would punish innocent conduct in the case of a lawful purchase who is not prohibited when the person buys a firearm on behalf of another person who is also not prohibited. In essence, the bill would make it illegal for an entity like the Boy Scouts or Future Farmers of America programs to buy Rimfire 22 to use in their rifle marketing programs or a rancher to buy a farm for a ranch hand to use against his predators. Additionally, the bill slips in language, essentially creating a federal red flag law. It in, in, in it, it says it includes a finding that such person represents a credible threat to the physical safety of a such intimate partner or a child. It also it would also put restrictions on just how many you can buy or sell as well. It shall be unlawful for any person to ship, transport, transfer, or cause to be transported or otherwise dispose of two or more firearms to another person if the transfer knows or has reasonable cause to believe that the use, carrying, or possession of a firearm by a transferee would be a violation of or would result in the violation of any federal law punishable by the term of imprisonment and receiving from another person two or more firearms if the recipient knows or has reasonable cause to believe that such receipt would be a violation or would result in violation of any federal law. So, and so it says that unless you're already a co-conspirator, exactly how are you going to know if the transferee's possession of a firearm would result in a violation of a federal law? Yeah, it's a good question. So there are a lot of concerning things in this bill as well. And this one is, it's in the bad category. It could slip into the ugly category very easily. Now on the good. So we've got a few goods out there. H.R. 95 is the Hearing Protection Act. And that is the effort to move the uh, suppressors out of the NFA and make them be able to purchase without going through the NFA or paying the tax stamp. The Hearing Protection Act has been out there for a number of years. It's got a lot of co-sponsors on it. But until we can control both sides of Congress, I don't think we're going to make headway on that one. We've even failed to do that when we did control both sides of Congress. Because once we did that, we got lazy and, and did not push through things that we needed to get done. H.R. 38 is a concealed carry reciprocity law. And this law, this bill, you know, provides that if you have a license to carry concealed in your state and another state has license to carry concealed, that you're automatically, there's automatic reciprocity between those two states. 
how the process works where a state has to go and individually grant reciprocity to whatever states they consider being eligible to be, to have reciprocity. This would make it across the board so that you don't have to worry about which states have reciprocity and don't. And now a new one that just popped up yesterday. So I guess that's the benefit of my technology failures. So Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has been out in the news and quite controversial, she has um, introduced H.R. 993, and it is the Second Amendment Preservation Act. And so there is no text on this bill currently that's published, so I'm pulling this from her website, and she states on here that the SAPA, Second Amendment Preservation Act, will cut all federal funding from implementing, enforcing, or advancing any measure, law, regulation, or guidance relating to the lawful use, purchase, sale, possession, or transportation of firearms by any citizen of the United States for fiscal year 2021, and it prohibits any federal funds from enforcing or implementing regulations or guidance issued by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms promulgated after November 1, 2020. So it's basically saying, don't care what you're going to do. We're not going to we're not going to give you any funding to implement it. Be interesting to see what this one does, where it goes. Probably doesn't have much chance of getting through, but I got to give uh, represent, Representative Taylor Green credit. She is out there stirring it up for people. So that is this week um, on the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm hoping I can get this episode published out there so you can actually listen to it. Again, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, you know, subscribe to it, share it with your friends. My contact information is is going to be down in the show notes where you can follow me and such and click on that and next week i will talk to you next week thanks